anytime, anywhere, smartphone, tune-in radio app, we are WRKN, 106.1 Nash Icon, Picayune, New Orleans. Good evening and welcome to All Access on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com, presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics, and by Francesca Bicades, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner, by Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by LifeGate Church in Mandeville in Metairie, by Premier Automotive with locations throughout the New Orleans area, Segnet Landing Restaurant and Swamp Tours in West Rigo, Petri Transport Services, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, by Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area, and by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk sports in substantive fashion with informed guests. To join in the conversation, call 504 260 1061. Now, here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, the Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club, Life Resources Ministries, and Delgado Baseball. And a pleasant good evening and welcome to another edition of All Access. This is the midweek edition here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Our tune-in app is available for you anywhere in the world to listen in via iHeart. Of course, you can get us at home via Alexa. Just tell her to play WRKN. Also, you have an opportunity to check out our podcast following the show. Just go to CrescentCitySports.com. Left column, click on podcast to be able to accomplish that. You can always email me, Ken, at CrescentCitySports.com or call the show at 504-260-1061. That's 504-260-1061. Later in the show, we'll get into the Saints, getting you ready for the game this weekend. Injury report out, five out today. We'll talk about that. Also, get you caught up on the Major League Baseball playoffs. And we'll visit with Chrissy Freud of CrescentCitySports.com on two lanes, big game with Memphis coming up Friday night, a Friday night special. That's right. The New Orleans Pelicans opened their preseason last night at home with a loss to Orlando. Win-loss doesn't really matter in the preseason. It's all about getting key guys on the floor and getting a look at other guys. I think they accomplished both with some positive results. Joining us now to talk about that good and great friend who does a terrific job covering the team for the athletic, Will Guillory. Will, always a pleasure. How are you? I'm doing well, Ken, man. I appreciate you for having me on. Well, it's your time of the year again, isn't it? Oh, man, I love it. It feels good just being back in the gym. I got to breathe some of that air through the King Center. It felt good. <laughs> All good. And and you got a, your first look at this team on the court in an official capacity last night. Okay, so James Borrego. We saw the 19 three-point attempts in the first half. Of course, they ended up shooting 33 of those. And didn't make any in the second half, and that was with different players. We saw some spacing. Most importantly, we saw, you know, the starting lineup on the floor that we all envisioned and have only been able to see on a very limited basis. Your impressions of what you saw from this group? Yeah, I mean, and something you didn't mention, we got to see Zion Williamson play basketball, right? Which you can never <laughs> take for granted because no. he, he hasn't done this very much over the past two years. So it, it was good just to see him out there, and of course. You know, he was going through moments where it seemed like he was a little winded or he had some troubles, you know, with a few defensive plays. But I think 
once again, you just saw his dominance on the court and just how much attention he draws. And I think you mentioned it with James Borrego. What they want to do is take advantage of the attention he draws from defenses. And you saw the off-ball movement, Zion hitting guys for corner threes. And that's really, uh, I think, going to be the barometer for this team. Of course, you know, it starts with everybody being healthy. But once those guys on the court, it's about not just what the big three can do, but how they can bring the best out of those other guys. And I think, you know, James Borrego uh, is tasked with doing that, and they got off to a good start last night. This is a three-point shooting league now. It's so important. It's the biggest aspect, and that's the one negative I see with this team. I don't think they have enough shooting without Trey Murphy, and they're going to be without him at least until some point in November. We hope it's prior to December, but who knows, and, and then who knows what he'll look like. You know, again, you got a rookie first-round pick who's got a good stroke but hasn't shown the ability to knock down threes consistently yet. That could come with the stroke that he has. You got McCollum healthy, which is good. He can make some. And you got Brandon Ingram who's capable of making some as well. Do you feel like this team has enough shooting? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, with Trey last year, this was probably a below-average three-point shooting team. You know, they finished, I think, 29th in three-point per, 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 three attempts per game. Uh, so, you know, they, they, even with Trey, they were going to have some trouble on that. And uh, I think the big thing for them is not about just finding one person to replace Trey. It's got to be, you know, a group mentality, everybody chipping. And I think you saw C.J. McCollum kind of putting up more three-pointers, Brandon Ingram putting up shots. You even saw Herb Jones knock down a couple threes. So I think they all got to kind of chip in and, and have more of a mentality to get those shots up. Uh, something you mentioned earlier, 19 three-point attempts in the first half. I think that's a good sign that they're, they're being mindful of taking those shots more often, creating those shots. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, TBD as far as how many of those threes are actually going to go in, right? Because I think you saw some good things with C.J. McCollum and you saw, you know, Najee Marshall, you know, having a lot of trouble knocking down shots. Uh, and I think uh, that's something we're going to have to see is how many uh, of these guys are going to be able to consistently knock down shots if Trey's not out there, and I think, you know, him being so elite at what he does, not having that, uh, I think it's going to be a big loss, especially with the way teams guard Zion Williamson. So it's something we have to see. But I think, again, I think it's good that they're that they're having the mindset of getting them up, and that's the best way to, to kind of create, you know, these offenses and spurts. Yeah, they're going to take them for sure. Uh, can anybody else step up and make them? Herb Jones could be slightly improved in that department. I don't think we're going to see much of that from Dyson Daniels, frankly. Najee Marshall can't shoot threes. You know, Alvarado's hurt right now. He can make a few, you know, when he's out there, when he's hot, when he's playing well. And, you know, certainly that's not part of Nance's game. Valanchunas limited in that regard. I just don't know that they're going to find anybody else that can do this unless Jordan Hawkins, you know, emerges at some point this season. But he's not likely to be a primary guy early in the season, at least if Alvarado's healthy and if Nance is healthy. Yeah, I think the thing with Jordan Hawkins, you know, I like his shot. I like his aggressiveness. He has no shots up. But you can see he looks like a young kid out there. He looks like he still needs to put some muscle on him. I think you saw a couple times him kind of a magic player putting a shoulder on him. I mean, him flying 10 feet back, I think, you know, it'll take him some time before he's ready. Uh, I think they'll give him a chance to contribute early. Uh, but, yeah, that's another thing. they got to get some of these guys healthy. I think that'll help, too, Jose Alvarado back out there. He was third on the team and three-pointers made last year. I think, you know, the, the big thing is just, again, them having the mentality of getting those shots up and how are you creating them. Uh, I think with the off-ball movement they're going to have in this offense, I think it's going to look a lot different than the, what they were doing last year. I think it's going to help, you know, Zion, B.I., and those guys create, 
you know, better looks than they were last year when guys were just kind of standing around watching them. All right, so let's talk about Zion Williamson. Obviously, this was a positive look, a positive start. You mentioned it. He's, you know, he's never going to be a great defensive player. He can be somewhat of a liability at times, but that's not what he's there for. You know, he can rebound effectively. He's a good passer, as we saw last night, and he's an elite, you know, driver to the rim and with the ability to score in the paint or create fouls, and that's what they're looking for from him and we see that from him last night you know looks pretty good overall in terms of his physicality and what he appears to look like from being in shape and then of course his attitude I think this is really interesting because you know some people are pointing at him negatively right now because he's being very short and curt with dealing with the media well we all know that his personal life got got talked about in the offseason and such but it wasn't you it wasn't local people doing that it was national people so uh, I find it peculiar that he would be that way with locals that said I don't mind him having a chip on his shoulder do you <laughs> no I, I definitely think it's a, a good thing you know me for selfish reasons I would love to get you know big smile you know <laughs> gregarious long quote Zion Williamson it was fun covering that guy for a couple years he yeah I think he is very thoughtful I, I do think that, you know, this isn't necessarily him. Uh, that's why I would say I'm kind of against it if I had to go pro or con because I really don't think this is who he is. I think he is a guy who loves having fun, likes making jokes. Yeah, I think he likes talking to the media, even though it doesn't look like it at times. Uh, but I, I do understand him having a chip on his shoulder, wanting to prove people wrong, kind of coming in, feeling like people were talking about him crazy over the offseason. I get it. Uh, but for me personally, I just want to see him be him. You know, I think – uh, again, I don't. I don't think the the, the meme mug, uh, the scowl, the two sentence answers. I, I just don't know if that's necessarily him. But if, if that's what it takes to get his mind right and get him playing basketball at a high level, uh, I'm sure the Pels will uh, deal with it. We'll deal with it, you know, because I love seeing that guy when he's playing at a high level. Yeah, listen, all we've talked about here locally is the fact that he hasn't been available and he hasn't played. I mean, that's it. And that's a fact. And if he has a problem with that, then that's his problem because that's what's true. Uh, what isn't true is nobody here has said anything about his personal life. And frankly, it's not my business anyway. And I stay out of it completely. And I know you, you have to report what is fact and what you have at the same time. Uh, people here have been, by and large, pretty good to him. So uh, I think that maybe his vial might be misguided. At the same time, like I said, I don't care uh, if it motivates him and he plays better all for him. So that's good with me. Uh, C.J. McCollum, I mean, he has to be a leader of this team because Ingram is, is a passive person, by and large, a heck of a player. You know, Williamson is still a guy that's got to prove that he can be on the floor to be taken seriously as leader McCollum's got the skins on the wall. He's healthy now. He's the veteran. He does it right. He showed up to play almost every night last year despite having a mangled hand. You know, much like Valanchunas showed up to play virtually every night last year. And that's why you look at these two veterans as being guys that are very important to this team, and McCollum in particular being a leader of this team. No doubt. And I think, you know, we've heard CJ say it a couple of times. You know, this is the longest summer in his career, the first time he didn't make the playoffs. You know, the season was over in early April. That's not something, you know, CJ McCollum's used to, you know, winning so many basketball games, big games out there in Portland. And I think during the offseason, you know, it felt even longer for him because he was rehabbing from thumb surgery, rehabbing from shoulder surgery, you know, getting his body back right because he played through so much last season. I think 
he took a lot of time out to think about how he fit in this offense next to Zion and, uh, and B.I. And also just think about big picture, what is it going to take for this franchise to take the next step? And I think that's something that, you know, since the, the moment he came here to New Orleans, that's been his mission to kind of bring that this Pelicans franchise to places they haven't been before. And, you know, it, it, this, this is a franchise that's not used to really sustained success, going to the playoffs, making big runs. They just haven't done it. And I think it takes – you know, a big seismic shift to kind of get that right and kind of get that ship in, in the right direction. And I think that's something that he's trying to do on a daily basis, establishing that foundation of what it's supposed to look like, how guys are supposed to compete, hold each other accountable with something. He's talked about a lot last year as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's a, an extremely important figure on this team uh, just for the, their mentality and what type of culture they're building. And then we mentioned it before. This guy's going to make a lot of three-pointers. They're going to need him to hit shots this year, to space the floor, and be a good fit next to B.I. and Zion. And I think it's going to look a little different than what we're used to seeing from him. Uh, but he, this guy knows how to play, and he knows how to make shots. So I think he's going to be extremely important for this team. Conditioning with Will Guillory of The Athletic. In terms of guys making the roster, uh, Jordan Hawkins will certainly do that. I mean, what happens with Kyra Lewis, I think, is largely dependent on Alvarado when he can play and when he can't play because that's his spot. Then, of course, you know, looking at the other guys on the outside looking in, Sebron is one of those. Uh, I don't know how Liddell would fit in, frankly, uh, with this team uh, at this point, just looking at the numbers and where he might fit in. Uh, Zeller, don't know about that either. Your thoughts on the, the final roster makeup? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the, this, the big man rotation, I think, is going to be uh, something to keep an eye on uh, just because, you know, Larry Nash is already coming into the season not healthy, uh, dealing with an ankle injury that he suffered last season. You know, older player, he's dealt with injuries in the past, so I think you got to kind of prepare for him to miss his, you know, 15 to 20. Uh, I would say that's just kind of expected for guys as they get older in their career and kind of replacing those minutes. I, I think it's going to be something that is going to be interesting for me with a guy like Cody Zeller, who I think is really solid, played with that Miami Heat team that made it to the finals last year. But it, he's not necessarily bringing you a whole lot on, on the offensive end. Uh, I think he understands how to play in James Borrego's offense. Obviously, he played under James Borrego in Charlotte. Uh, but just finding those minutes of guys who can be productive. And I think also uh, E.J. Liddell is a guy I think they would consider playing some at the small ball five. Seeing him last night, he looks a little bit small playing down yep, there. So I don't does. know how much uh, they can do that. I think he's another guy I would put in the gym alongside uh, Jordan Hawkins. Need to get a little stronger, a little bigger. But, you know, this guy took a year off after, you know, tearing his ACL in summer league last year. So he's going to take some time to come along, figure it out. He's talked to us about, you know, learning from Larry Nance, watching Draymond film, uh, Draymond Green film. So I think he's going to get there. But uh, also something we, we talked about last night as well, Zion Williamson playing the five. I think that's something that Willie Green wants to commit to this year. Uh, so just what they're going to do with those front court minutes, I think it's going to be a challenge for Willie Green. And I think they're going to try to do some creative stuff. Have we reached a point where traditional fives are now dinosaurs in this league? I mean, I can't necessarily say that because Nikola Jokic is the best player in the league, right? Joel Embiid just won MVP. So I, I think, if anything, it's kind of been a, a, a renaissance for centers. But I think you're at the point now where you have to have a – 
real big center if you want to compete at the highest level. I do think that uh, guys like Zion Williamson, uh, there is only one that I was associated to guys. I think him in particular at the center position, I think it would be something that's really interesting, especially for some of these bigs that aren't as mobile, you know what I mean, where uh, I think you, you see like a, a Nikola Jokic or DeAndre Ayton or some of these bigs where it's tougher to stay in front of him. If you're playing him at the five and you're surrounding him with shooters, uh, I think it can really make this Pelicans offense dynamic. And again, the challenge is going to be on Z to defend, to rebound, to do the little things, screen, uh, not foul. Uh, I think that's going to be the challenge for him. But when you watch them offensively, uh, at when he's at the five and that quarter spread and he kind of has that runway to the lane, uh, you watch him and just say, man, how do you guard it? Now, what do you do to stop this? And I think the more the Pels can kind of lean into that, uh, I think it'll be a really, you know, dangerous lineup that they can put together in spurts, you know, when a B.I. or a C.J. is on the bench. I guess one of the biggest concerns would be the fact that they're in the Western Conference because, you know, Houston will be better. San Antonio will be better. I mean, the bottom end teams are going to be better. Portland is very interesting now. And, of course, then you look further up, and uh, it's not like others got worse. Phoenix will be interesting to watch this year, see how Durant's health holds up, and Dallas with, with you know, now pairing those two guys together for an entire year with Doncic and Irving. Memphis without Morant to get started. Uh, Golden State a year down the road. What do they look like? Denver coming off the championship. The Clippers, what are they? The Lakers, we know what they are pretty much. And then, of course, you got the Minnesotas of the world, you know, with the two bigs. How does that work? And, and, and most interesting to me would be Oklahoma City because they've got, <laughs> they've got a lot of really interesting pieces uh, and, a, and a young team that's done it right. And now they get their draft pick last year healthy, and I think they're going to be a, a dark horse team. Your thoughts on the West? I, I'll tell you, Cam, man, I love that OKC squad. I, so I do I. got so much talent over there. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I voted them fits for MVP last year. I think Chet Holmgren is going to be outstanding mm-hmm. on that team coming back from his foot injury. I, I think they just got a ton of young talent, and they're going to be extremely dangerous because they can just come at you in waves. And, and you mentioned, you know, the, the kind of the, the shifting dynamics of line, lineups in lead. That's a team they can throw a whole lot of interesting lineups at you and force you, you know, a guy like Jonas Valanciunas to stand out like a sore thumb, right? When they're kind of spreading the floor, everybody's attacking the rim, shooting threes. Uh, you got to adjust to them. They don't want to adjust to you. Uh, so I think they're going to be dangerous. Uh, of course, the Warriors are always out there as long as Steph is healthy. Same thing for the Lakers with LeBron and AD. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the West is going to be extremely tough all the way down to the bottom with, like, Houston wants to be good this year. Utah has an all-star in Larry Mark, and then San Antonio has Wemby. Who knows how good he's going to be in year one. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be the fight for that playing spot. Uh, really from one all the way down to, to 11, I think it's going to be crazy uh, this year. It's going to be extremely fun, and I think a lot of it, bringing it back to the Pels, it's just who stays healthy. I think two of these teams are probably just going to drop out because somebody's going to get hurt, right? Uh, we see that every year. And I think as long as the Pels aren't one of those teams, uh, they, got, they have a really good chance to sneak in there. But I think when you got this many teams, uh, it's something as simple as not having your best player miss six weeks uh, may make the difference. I agree. I just think it's pretty evenly matched overall. And you can see one or two or three emerge that maybe – we didn't necessarily expect would. And I think uh, that Oklahoma City is certainly 
in position to do that if this young team can mesh uh, as quickly as they, they, they possibly could. I certainly like their chances. Again, I'm interested to see what Irving and Doncic look like together over an extended period of time. I think that's an interesting pairing, to say the least. You know, age, you have to wait and see with Durant and see where that's at uh, with that team because, again, if he's, if he's Kevin Durant, then I don't sell him short. His team will have a real shot. And, and then Denver, look, it's just tough to, it's tough to go back-to-back. We all know that. And they're good, but I, I don't see them winning it all again this year, but I see them being a 50-win team. So, look, this is going to be a brutal conference night by night. And last question before we let you get away. What is the optimum number we're talking about for Zion Williamson, for Brandon Ingram? We know where the league's put forth about, you know, about load management numbers and everything else, but is the optimum number 60, 65? What do you think is a realistic number of games that you'd like to see these two guys on the floor? Yeah, I think you're right in the range where I've kind of had the number in my head since the the summer. You know, it's pretty much 60 to 65. I I think if you you have those guys on the court, because it's not just uh, them staying healthy. Of course, you want them to be healthy, be at their best, especially when we get into March and April. But you just want them to get time on the court. You want them to be able to develop that chemistry. Have Willie Green make some adjustments. I I did, you know, before the season, uh, I did this little piece where I watched every single minute the the big three played together last year. It didn't take that long. It was only 172 minutes. Uh, but I think one of the things I kind of took away after watching it was like, man, once I got to game nine, ten of those guys playing together, you saw Willie Green starting to make adjustments. You saw him switching rotations, you know, moving Zion around on the court. And, and as soon as he kind of started to make those adjustments, boom, it was over. And B.I. was out of the lineup. A month later, Zion was out, and it was done. And I think that's the unfortunate thing for this team is they just haven't had time to figure this thing out. Uh, so that's really what you want to see if those guys just get a bunch of games together a few months in a row where they can play together, learn how to move around on the court together and give Willie Green the opportunity to see just how they, he wants to deploy these guys, how he can bring the best out of them. And then you can really make a judgment on just how far they can go and what this team needs to do to become one of those contenders in the West. Last question. Is this a, a one-year deal? That's kind of what I look at it as. They've got one year to prove that this group – can perform together and be a 50-win team and be a contender. I contend they've got one year to do it and no more. Do you share that sentiment? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree, especially if it comes to somebody getting hurt. I think then you'll definitely see a change next summer. But, yeah, I think there's a ton of pressure on this season for them to figure it out and at least show just what are they. Are they a team that can, that's 6-8? to eight? Are they a playing team? Are they a team that contends for home court? We just need to see what it is so that the front office can decide what the next steps look like. He's Will Guillory of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter and, of course, read his outstanding work at The Athletic. It's always great to visit with him, and it's that time of the year again, so we'll do it as much as we can because we value and treasure Will. Keep up the great work, my friend. Thank you for the visit. Absolutely, can't Thank you, man. I appreciate you. All right, you got it. Will Guillory of The Athletic. We'll take a time out here. It's 504-260-1061. That's 504-260-1061 to join us. When we return, Chrissy Freud of CrescentCitySports.com will join us to talk about the Tulane Green Wave, big game in Memphis Friday night. Still to come, we'll talk about the Saints as well and LSU. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday night. Rudy Dixon, our producer, and this is All Access. Back in just a moment here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. 
New Orleans, the North Shore, and worldwide at NashFM1061.com. Country for Life, 1061, Nash Icon. Nissan has a car for every driver who wants more. More action. More fun. More guts. More head turns. More adventure. More electric. At Nissan, more is all we do. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Boot Barn honors a Western legacy built by those who persevere through resourceful determination. Ariat honors that same legacy by bringing innovative technology to classic pieces. Driven by a dedication to the craft, Ariat blends timeless Western artistry with advanced performance features for the modern cowboy and rodeo athlete. Out West, ingenuity is second to none. Ariat at Boot Barn. Paid for by Christian Care Ministry. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 855-51-BIBLE. That's 855-51-BIBLE. 855-51-BIBLE. Imagine it's the final game of the season, but your symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC are making a comeback. What should you do? Keep managing your constipation with belly pain the same old way? Or try getting ahead of your symptoms by talking to your doctor about Linzess, linaclotide. Linzess is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. It's not a laxative. It's a once-daily pill that helps you get ahead of your symptoms. It's proven to help you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than two. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Imagine, what could relief from IBSC mean for you? Talk to your doctor and say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Don't let this happen to your largest investment. Call DA Exterminating now. 
ready and waiting to protect your home from potential disaster called termites. Call DA now or visit us on the web at daexterminating.com. This report is sponsored by Boost Infinite. Hey, if you're thinking of getting the latest iPhone, you need to stop and check out the wireless offer from Boost Infinite. For more, just pick up your phone and dial pound 250 and say Boost Infinite. That's pound 250 and Boost Infinite. You'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text message from this station's network. Good afternoon. Let's take a look at traffic. We have some stop traffic I-12 eastbound between US-51 and 3158. Also, a lane is still blocked. I-12 westbound between exit 47 and exit 42. And then we have an accident, Elijah Fields Avenue at North Georgina Street. I'm Renee Miller from the New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service Traffic Center. Calling all listeners, what's on your mind? We'd love to get your take by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and All Access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. Hey, Elysian and Hey, there you go. Glad you're with us on this Wednesday evening as we march on. We'll talk about the Saints and their injuries and, and the first injury report and their matchup with Houston coming up later in the hour. And we'll touch on LSU football as well against Auburn. Tulane has a huge game, and they're first up because they play the Friday night special at what we knew as Liberty Bowl Stadium, and Simmons Bank Liberty Bowl Stadium. Now in Memphis, a 6 o'clock game on Friday, and the American Athletic Conference Championship could very well be on the line regular season-wise. Joining us to break it down, our good and great cohort, Chrissy Ford of CrescentCitySports.com. Chrissy, always a pleasure. Welcome. And I guess prior to the season, we all pointed to the Ole Miss game pointed to the UTSA game and pointed to the Memphis game. Well, the Ole Miss game is in the rearview mirror. UTSA's down the road and maybe not as formidable as thought. Here's Memphis, and it's every bit that game, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of the way that this team is looking at it, too. I mean, UTSA was deemed to potentially be the conference champion or in contention for the conference championship with Tulane by some people. But I think it's it's kind of just a testament to how we kind of overestimate some of these teams, especially when it comes to conference realignment, because some of them in their first year, it's kind of hard to get a feel for how they're going to perform. But, yeah, I think that looking at the teams all around that Tulane has remaining on the schedule, there's no question that this is the toughest. And really, a lot of people, and I think correctly, are seeing this as the first of two matchups this year. Yeah, I think it's similar to what we saw with Central Florida a year ago. All right, let's start with Tulane and start with Michael Pratt, you know, played with the brace, uh, maybe on the RPO plays, he gave the ball off more than he would have normally, where he might have kept it and run it had he felt better. Do you think a week further down the road that he's any better physically, or is that what he's going to be the rest of the year? I think that he's better physically. I think that having these two weeks in between that game helped him to recover a little bit, and I noticed that he was wearing a sleeve instead of a brace the last time, media availability. So I think that that says something a little bit positive. As far as a running threat goes, I don't think that Michael's going to be nearly as much of a running threat as he usually is. And I think that comes down to not only the fact that he's not fully recovered, but also the fact that he's probably learned a little bit of a lesson in running the ball unnecessarily because he's only really, especially a quarterback of that frame size, only ever one big hit away from not being able to play the next game or from being severely hindered and Whenever you have an injury like that, it's going to affect your accuracy a little bit and then obviously limit you on the ground. So I think he's still not quite at full capacity. I think it's going to be 
we'll just kind of remain to be seen if he's at full capacity this week, uh, but I think he's getting closer and closer. Makai Hughes has clearly emerged as the uh, the number one running back and, and the guy that's going to get the lion's share of the snaps and balls, and he's earned it. He's a, he's a solid player, isn't he? Yeah, I asked Willie Fritz about that after the last game, if he thought that he had separated himself after UAB, and he said yes, and then I believe it was three days, three to four days later that he came in front of the media and he did formally announce Makai Hughes as the starter. So it's, it's a testament to kind of the conversations that were had about the running backs ahead of the season. Everyone thought that Ashad Clayton Johnson would take that number one spot, but that wasn't the case. It was a true competition all around. I think all those guys bring different things to the table, but that was the one that finally separated himself later on. UAB had success against Tulane in the first half offensively. Uh, really as good as anybody's looked against Tulane. Greenway made adjustments, played better defensively in the second half. Overall, though, this Tulane defense has been good. Yeah, I think all around, this is, I mean, the number nine rushing defense in the nation. I feel like a lot of people haven't talked about that. This is not just a, one of the best in the conference. It's one of the best in the country. So any team that's had success on the ground, I think, is going to see a little bit of regression whenever they go up against Tulane. And then the passing defense, not quite as strong as that, which the bars obviously set really high, but has been pretty good overall outside of allowing some of those more explosive plays, which I think is what allowed UAB to hang around a little bit. And Lance Robinson Jr. did say that on the sideline, they kind of had a little pep talk of kind of, hey, you know, this shouldn't be happening. We need to fix this. This can't be happening against an opponent like this. And they got back on track and made the adjustments they needed to. So I think that that's something that's going to get better moving down the stretch. Visiting with Chrissy Freud talking about Tulane Green Wave and their big game with Memphis and American Athletic Conference play this coming Friday night. Again, a Friday night game this week. All right, so talking about the Memphis Tigers, this is another good offense. Seth Hennigan's a good player, isn't he? Yeah, I think that some people have kind of been thinking about his his interceptions and some of those mistakes that he's made. But overall, this is one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, and he's also got an NFL draft thing. I'd say not at least the way things stand right now, not quite as high as Michael Pratt, but he still has the ability to go on to the NFL. And Willie Fritz described him as a true dual threat guy, and they've whenever things have gotten going in the passing attack, it's been really good. So I. This is going to be the toughest team that they've faced, I think, uh, recently. But still, um, outside of Missouri, obviously. But still, I think it's going to be interesting to see how much success that he still has through the air against this defense. You know, you look at the Memphis schedule thus far, 4-1. and one, You throw out Bethune-Cookman and Arkansas State with all due respect. You know, won a very close game with Navy, who's obviously a little better than people thought. And then, of course, lost a very competitive game. Uh, to Missouri, and a lot of people saw Missouri last week against LSU. That's a that's a good offensive team, Missouri, not as much defensively. So what do you make of, of this schedule that they've played, and what are you most impressed with? I mean, maybe the loss to Missouri is their most impressive showing. Yeah, I think that whenever we look at the Memphis schedule overall, that there is a lot of quality in there, although some of these teams aren't quite what they were cracked up to be ahead of the season. But Missouri is a legitimate football team. I, I cover Missouri for Saturday down south for a couple years, and we kind of watch them evolve from the issues with Eli Drinkwitz calling the plays and just how ho-hum that offense was under that, despite some really good, one of the most underrated defenses in the nation between last season and then the season before, and now Brady Cook coming into his own right, uh, them giving teams like LSU a run for their money. I mean, Missouri comes in two games. This season, not as, a, not as a huge underdog anymore. I mean, they have a chance in every single game they play. So I think we're seeing a new era. And for Memphis to stay that competitive 
against a team like Missouri, I think is really big. And then obviously covering Mississippi State in person between last year and the year before that. Memphis is kind of a team across the SEC coming from that conference where I spent the majority of my time. It's always seen as something of a trap game just because Memphis is a group of five teams. People, whenever that's on their schedule, they don't look at that as, oh, this is like just playing another non-conference opponent. Memphis has consistently been a a decent football team and presents some challenges regardless of the level of opponent they're facing. Tulane, a a four-and-a-half-point favorite last time I checked, so I would say that's about right. I think this is a one-score game. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I would be shocked if this is a game that becomes a boat race on either side. I don't think it's going to go down that way. I think the majority of games with Memphis and quality opponents never tend to go down that way. So it's, in my opinion, probably going to be a higher scoring game. I'd say somewhere around the same range as UAB. I have Tulane winning this one 35 to 27, but it's going to come down to which team is better in the turnover margin. Tulane's had some good takeaways so far this year, but they've also given up some balls that they shouldn't have. And that's that Willie first touched on um, in the preview ahead of this game is kind of how important that's going to be. And whenever you have a close game like this one's anticipated to be, that can make all the difference. And I mean, we've seen obviously different, different levels of quality. I mean, looking back last weekend was absolutely wild. I mean, you had Mississippi state. I was given a run for their money by Western Michigan and then Miami falling to Georgia tech. And you can talk about all the, all the controversy over whether or not they should have taken a knee there and stuff like that. But I mean, turnovers, and both of those games kind of played a little bit of a role in the other games that were a little bit of a shocker as well. So I think just protecting the football is going to be huge in this one. Yeah, I think that's, that's very accurate. And I think that's going to be obviously a big determining factor. And how much do you think the, the whole concept of, well, they haven't won there since 1998. They've been hearing this forever and a day, okay? I got to believe at some point it irritates them to no end because they're, they're probably tired of hearing it. It's a fact. But I got to think that's a factor. Look, I did, I want to say, three or four Tulane games on television at Liberty Bowl Stadium over the years, and, and they've never had much success there. And, of course, the numbers don't lie most recently. Do you think that's a motivation for this Tulane team? I think it is. I mean, it comes down to accomplishing something that's something of history. And 1998 was in the last century, so this will be the first time not just within the decade, within the century, that Tulane has gone on the road and won against this team. So I feel like any player that tells you that's not something of, that's something of a milestone or that they don't think about that, I think that's a lie. But I think it's something they're probably trying to block out, blocking out the noise ahead of matchups, as teams like to say. But I do think that serves as a motivator. And not just that, but I think they're looking at this not only to get on the right side of the win column on paper and then to have the third longest active winning streak on the road in the nation, which is a huge deal, but... I think more than that, it's probably coming down to the fact that this team, whether it admits it or not, probably knows that this is who they're going to face in the conference championship, boring anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, I mean, there's no layups the rest of the way. They're going to have to play against some of these teams and play well, in particular against SMU and maybe one or two others. But here's the reality. Tulane is going to be favored against every opponent it plays the rest of the way, including Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the Ole Miss game. Whenever you looked at the schedule, I'm not saying that Tulane has a weak schedule by, by any means, especially with Ole Miss being thrown in there. But after we look at what Tulane accomplished last season, the way things were shaping up after camp, uh, the, the guys they managed to return and the way that they were recruiting, 
even ahead of this, we kind of looked at maybe maybe Ole Miss and then maybe Memphis is the only two losses. So, yeah, I think that the biggest thing after this game, granted that they win this game, is going to be maintaining a steady mindset and getting through the rest of the season because, I mean, a player goes into a game knowing that the team is favored in that matchup and that these are deemed, at least by the national media, to be all lesser opponents. So I think just staying level-headed and not playing down to anyone is going to be a mental factor through that stretch. Question from Michael in the Bywater, emailing here. Do you think the athletic director leaving is any distraction at all? I mean, I'll answer that. No. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. The only thing I would kind of compare that to is it's on a bigger scale is whenever Lane Kiffin, the rumors are going around about Lane Kiffin leaving for Auburn, and then Ole Miss had that huge losing streak. But I think there was a lot more uh, smoke and fire to that situation a lot, on a lot bigger scale. So, no, I, I don't think that it's a distraction to the players. I think that they're focused on playing for Willie Fritz. I mean, I do think that at the end of the day, uh, fans and a lot of former players have chimed in the way that uh, Troy Dannon was talking about Tulane, and intentional or unintentional, the way his comment came off, was disrespectful. So, I mean, I think that there's some people that might put a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, but I don't think it's actively in the minds of the players going on the field in Memphis. I think there's plenty of motivation in Memphis itself. Yeah, listen, I think, you know, I think that, that comment he made on radio is nothing but fuel to the fire for this football team and helps them, if anything. So uh, it, was, it was unnecessary. It doesn't make any difference whether you believe that and whether there's fact, factual basis behind it, which there is. It's disrespectful, it's inappropriate, and it's unnecessary. It, it's foolishness uh, to go that way for an employer that gave you an opportunity. And that's, that's simply the way it is. And it's not... It's not negativity against him on the way out. It's just simply stating fact. And again, sometimes you get caught up in the moment. I'm sure he's on local radio there and he wants to say all the right things and trumpet the cause and got carried away, but uh, it just doesn't sit well. And, and as I said, I think, if anything, it probably serves as motivation for this football program and Tulane's athletic programs in general. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, there are several players, both current just athletes current and past that have publicly made a comment about this. And whether, like like we said, it is t- intentional or unintentional, his, he said verbatim that Tulane is not a program that's going to win a national championship, which actually the way that the playoffs set up and the way that some things are evolving, uh, this is that there's at least a chance for them to be in the mix, especially if they stay on this path. So, yeah, I thought it was disrespectful. I think he made a comment about how Ohio State had not won in a long time. And so I think – what it is is he's really amped up for the opportunity to be at a Power 5 school like Washington, but I do think he's gotten a little carried away. And coming from Northern Iowa and then Tulane, he's got he's to show what he can do um, coming from places that are smaller himself before he starts talking this big. He's got to walk the walk. Good analysis as always. Of course, you'll have a game story after the big game Friday night. Uh, last thing I'll say about that, I can't stand this Friday night game stuff, okay? It's, that's high school football night, and it's a shame uh, that these schools have to play on Friday night. They're going to lose a lot of luster and a lot of attention they would have gotten otherwise, but it is what it is. We remember last year when Tulane played Houston on a Friday night, how it turned out to be a thrilling win. Let's hope it turns out that way again, right? Yeah, no, I went, I went to the Houston game last year and then drove eight and a half hours back to Starkville, Mississippi, and somehow made it back for our early afternoon kickoff, which I will never do again, but I'll be on, <laughs> in Memphis on Friday. Um, I'm sure Ed Daniels, everyone at WGNO will miss me. Um, as a stringer, but I'll be happy to be on the road uh, for the second time this season. Uh, well, we're happy that you have that opportunity, and 
And I know Ed likes, likes you quite a bit, and that's great. So happy to provide it and happy to have Chrissy Freud with us at CrescentCitySports.com. Thank you, Chrissy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right, we'll take a brief time out here. When we return in just a moment, we'll turn our attention to the New Orleans Saints. What does the injury report look like? We'll talk about it next here on Nash Icon 1061 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Boom, 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 boom. Nissan has a car for every driver who wants more. More action. More fun. More guts. More head turns. More adventure. More electric. At Nissan, more is all we do. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Paid for by Christian Care Ministry. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it? That sounds like something to look into, and that is... MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 855-51-BIBLE. That's 855-51-BIBLE. 855-51-BIBLE. Don't let this happen to your largest investment. Call DA Exterminating now. Ready and waiting to protect your home from potential disaster called termites. Call DA now or visit us on the web at daexterminating.com. This report is sponsored by Louisiana 811. Call before you dig. Don't put your life on the line when you dig. Do what the pros do. Call Louisiana 811 before you dig. It's a free public service and it's the law. Louisiana 811. Good afternoon. Let's take a look at traffic. We have some stop traffic I-12 eastbound between US-51 and 3158. Also, a lane is still blocked. I-12 westbound between exit 47 and exit 42. And then we have an accident, Elysian Fields Avenue at North Georgina Street. I'm Renee Miller from the New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service Traffic Center. This is where you get all access not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports topics are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 504-260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 Nash Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. The New Orleans Saints getting ready for their game Sunday at Houston. Two and a half point favorites over the Texans. Another jump ball type of game. First injury report out this week, some pluses, some minuses 
First of all, Jawan Johnson still out with that calf, so not good there. Safety Lonnie Johnson Jr. still out, hamstring. Fullback Adam Prentice, only fullback on the team, out with a knee. JT Gray, special teams demon, out, hamstring. Backup tackle Landon Young, out, hip injury. Ryan Ramchap and Jimmy Graham with their typical day of rest, but you have a couple of guys limited today that certainly are concerns. Cam Jordan with a back, Chris Olave with a toe that were limited today. We'll watch tomorrow very carefully to see if they're upgraded. James Hurst, the other guard, limited with a foot problem. Then there's the good news. Derek Carr, full practice today. Remember, that was not the case last week. So he's gotten better and better with that sprained AC joint. Then you got Marcus May, who's returning from his three-game suspension. The starting safety really enhances things in the deep. And finally, Andrews Pete, full practice, coming back from the concussion. He missed the game last week, so he's back in full, and that's good in particular with Hurst also being a bit banged up. So you at least have some insurance at that particular spot. Flipping it to the Texan side of things, their fine tackle, Laramie Tunsil, out with a knee. Cornerback Shaquille Griffin, out with a calf. Two wide receivers, Tank Dell with a concussion. And Robert Woods did not practice. He has a rib problem. Malik Collins, defensive tackle, out. Abdomen issue there. They had four others limited. So that's the story where the Texans are concerned. The Texans are two and three. Could have won last week. It was a jump ball game with Atlanta. Let it get away late, much to the chagrin of the Saints and the Saints fans, obviously. C.J. Stroud's been good. Of all the rookie quarterbacks, he's looked really good. And right now, certainly playing better than Bryce Young. He's looked the part. Can make the throws. Show some poise. And... Shows confidence. I mean, that's, that's to me, the biggest thing when you watch him. And have, having done so, that's what stands out more than anything else is the fact that he's showed some confidence. He's completing, you know, 61% of his passes. That's solid, nothing special at all, though. 1,461 yards. Seven touchdowns, but here's the key. No interceptions. Very impressive. Quarterback rating 98.4. Good stuff. Against the Falcons last week was 20 of 35, 249 yards with a touchdown. Looking at his previous games, he's, he's been solid. You know, against Indianapolis, he was asked to throw the ball 47 times against Baltimore 44 in their first game. So last three weeks, they've thrown it less, 30, 30, and 35. So they've relied a little bit more on the run game in the last three games. Of course, the Saints relied more on the run game last week, and it paid dividends. They look pretty good in the process of doing so. Alvin Kamara, solid. Kendry Miller you know, has that look, and he really turned that screen into a, a very big play, which was great to see. Offensive line. Blocked better overall and protected Derek Carr better, despite the holding calls, which still were a stopper to them on a few occasions in this particular game. Juwan Johnson, that's the right now kind of 
you know, the one negative, the biggest concern. He's coming off a big year, and he just hasn't been healthy at all this year and hasn't been a factor. And you figured he would be. Derek Carr used Waller quite a bit with the Raiders. You know, Foster Morrow caught a little pass, a little shovel pass for a touchdown, which was fantastic for Foster. But, and Jimmy Graham has a touchdown catch, but that's it for the other tight ends. They really need Jawan Johnson, and it looks like he's not going to be out there again. And, of course, they really need Chris Olave. Michael Thomas has been good, knock on wood. He stayed healthy, and he's looked good for five games. Rashid Shaheed has that top-end speed. Weren't really able to get him the ball last week the way you'd like to, but he's capable of making the plays. We know what Taysom Hill is all about, and it's all about how they utilize him, how many snaps he takes. Interestingly, last week when Taysom lined up at quarterback, he gave it off more to Kamara than he kept it. He has that read option available to him to make those decisions, and he opted to hand it off last week more than to run it. But again, anytime he's in the game, he's capable of handing it off, running it, or even throwing it with success, especially when he gets man coverage. Saints defense has been outstanding. Hopefully it stays that way. Last week, the big difference from the previous two weeks was they got a pass rush. They did not get a pass rush in the two previous games, both of which they lost. This game this past week, their pass rush was excellent, made a difference, impacted the game dramatically. Carl Granderson has been simply outstanding. Undrafted free agent, he's been their best. Although others have been solid, he's been really good for this team. Linebackers, the two linebackers have played excellent. Demario Davis and Pete Werner, there's a lot to like. The Romer, Duran Matthew, pick six, fantastic to see him get his 30th pick in the league, fourth pick six. Great to see the local hero getting the job done, much like Foster Morrow on the offensive side of the ball. They get Marcus May back. Paulson Adebo came back last week. With Elante Taylor and Marshawn Lattimore, gives them three good corners. So you like the defense. And, of course, Blake Groupie, special teams player of the week in the league. Two field goals in excess of 50 yards. Made his extra points. That's good stuff. And Headley was fine punting the ball last week. He's been inconsistent overall, but good last week. So hopefully they can match that effort. If they do, they'll win. If they don't, they'll be in trouble. It's as simple as that. Saints and the Texans Sunday in Houston. We'll take a time out here, back with our final segment. We'll touch on LSU football when we continue in just a moment as we resume with more of All Access for a Wednesday night. Ken Trahan with you on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Boot Barn honors a Western legacy built by those who persevere through resourceful determination. Ariat honors that same legacy by bringing innovative technology to classic pieces. Driven by a dedication to the craft, Ariat blends timeless Western artistry with advanced performance features for the modern cowboy and rodeo athlete. Out West, ingenuity is second to none. Ariat at Boot Barn. Paid for by National Tax Advisory Services. Attention anyone that owes money to the IRS. The IRS has restarted aggressive enforcement actions against taxpayers who owe back taxes that were temporarily suspended for COVID. If you owe $10,000 or more, you must hear this because now is the time to clear your IRS tax debt. A special toll-free number has been established so you can stop penalty fees, avoid liens, and other hostile measures by the IRS. Call tax relief helpers right now at 800-761-2855 and get the maximum protection afforded by law. I got behind on my taxes and owed $48,000. 
I didn't know what to do. I called and they got my bill lowered to just $3,500. I owed $87,000 in taxes and it was scary. I got the amount I owed down to just $3,500. I saved $83,500. If you owe money to the IRS, don't wait another day. Call 800-761-2855 right now before the IRS enforces liens, levies, or other aggressive measures. The call and consult are absolutely free. Call now. Call 800-761-2855. Imagine it's the final game of the season, but your symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC are making a comeback. What should you do? Keep managing your constipation with belly pain the same old way? Or try getting ahead of your symptoms by talking to your doctor about Linzess, linaclotide. Linzess is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. It's not a laxative. It's a once-daily pill that helps you get ahead of your symptoms. It's proven to help you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than two. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Imagine, what could relief from IBSC mean for you? Talk to your doctor and say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. The U.S. dollar is under attack, and it's becoming less and less valuable by the day. Hyperinflation and speculation is killing your retirement. Don't leave your money sitting in cash. It's time you diversified and protected your future with physical precious metals. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000 and get your free digital dollar survival kit and learn how you could get up to $1,000 in free silver today. Call Advantage Gold now at 800-900-8000 to get your free digital dollar survival kit and you may qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Advantage Gold is the number one rated gold and silver company in America. Your future is precious. Protect it today when you call Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000 now. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. That's 800-900-8000. Celebrating 90 years of excellence, the All-State Sugar Bowl is one of college football's most enduring traditions. And for nearly a century, the Sugar Bowl delivers for New Orleans, for Louisiana, and for the region. Major events, big tourism, and a national spotlight each and every year. And this season, it's even bigger. The college football playoff semifinal at the 90th All-State Sugar Bowl. New Year's Day in the Dome. The Sugar Bowl is presented by All-State, Louisiana Tourism, and New Orleans & Company. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have meaningful, constructive dialogue on All Access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call, 504-260-1061. LSU-Auburn coming up on Saturday evening, and of course, this is... An LSU game where the Tigers are favored by 11 and a half at home. That's a big number. And the over-under 60 and a half, that's a big number. So, I mean, when you look at this, here's the matchup. Interesting tweet by Peter Burns of ESPN. LSU's past defense ranked 121st in the country. At the bottom. Auburn's past offense ranked 121st in the country. He says unstoppable object versus immovable force. And I think that's a good summation. 
which bodes well for LSU. The thing LSU can't stop at all is a pass. Auburn doesn't throw the ball well. That's why it's a pretty good matchup. Maybe this is the game where LSU's defense gets its head up a bit. You certainly hope so. Auburn has a couple of former Rummel stars. Coy Moore, former of LSU, hasn't done anything. Two catches for 18 yards. Donovan Kaufman, good player. Secondary for Auburn, 19 tackles, five for loss. Got a sack, forced two fumbles, recovered a fumble. He's a good football player. He could play for LSU. And he'll be all over the field. They use him in different ways. Solid player. But again, Auburn doesn't throw the ball well, and they haven't run the ball, frankly, all that well. When you look at the fact that their leading rusher is 275 yards in five games, whereas Logan Diggs has three 100-yard games and has made LSU a good running football team paired with Jaden Daniels. Last thing on that, Jaden Daniels. No one's been better than Jaden Daniels in the country. You can say other quarterbacks have been as good. No one's been better. And you can also say no one's been better as a tandem of receivers than neighbors and Thomas. Maybe others as good, no one better. That's how special those guys have been. Let's hope that continues. I want to thank Chrissy Freud of Grand